Coast. Good morning on the West Coast. And a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the Structure First Studios here at EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. And that has been our intro for 10 years as we celebrate 10 years of doing the show. Yeah. So longer than any other job I've ever had, that's for sure, if you can call it a job, I'm not sure, but yes, I, we are going to talk today just a little bit about the history of the show, looking back a little bit on some of the ups and the downs and the ups again, and uh, it was just a fascinating thing to look back on, and I went back and checked today how many episodes, over 400 episodes, which doesn't even seem possible from that very first day when I picked up the old Vonage you know, regular sort of like landline, the voiceover internet protocol, which was pretty advanced back in 2010 and dialed into the blog talk radio studio with absolutely no idea what we were doing, no musical intros, no bumps of any kind. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, as always the case, I have a little commentary now that GAC is over. Um, again, just think it's realistic and not so crazy to ask, what is the ROI on this $100 million ask of credit unions and their member owners' money for the Open Your Eyes campaign that nobody outside the credit union marketplace has ever heard of? And where all of that really started, because that friction between myself and Tuna actually started on this show, because I had the temerity of interviewing someone who was and is a credit union legend who six years ago um, made a decision that really shook up the credit union marketplace, and it would have been crazy not to do the show about that that very week. I'm going to tell you a little bit about how that went. Um, and again, just uh, want to start by thanking, if you've ever listened to this show, especially if you've ever been a guest on this show, if you've ever helped co-host the show, we've had a lot of co-hosts over the year. The decision to not go with a co-host was when we decided to bring the show from a 30-minute show down to a more of a 10 to 15 to 18-minute show. By the time you go through four questions for a guest, we were almost always pushing 17 or 18 minutes, and we wanted to bring it down. It's hard to ask people to listen to a 30-minute show, and it, 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 I, 30 minutes has become the new hour in the American timetable, especially when you're working. And so talk a little bit about the show uh, again, it, it, I would love to tell you it was the product of tremendous market research. It really, really wasn't, but it's gone through some uh, changes and iterations and, and things like that. And look back on, on 10 years, I honestly don't know. I can tell you four or five years ago, we were thinking, hey, five years is plenty. And then podcasting really started to get fired up again. I, I discovered quite by accident that I could do these branded podcasts for other banking brands for a fee. We never charged anybody to be on the show. And, uh, and so we, you know, I found out that, hey, you could actually convert these shows into private podcasts before anybody was really even talking about that. And that really was the turning point for me. You know, I don't, I don't blame presidents uh, for the economy, and I don't usually give them a lot of credit for the economy. I think we make our own economy. And when my professional speaking days came to an end, and I was looking for a way to build on that, 
particular skill, which is a skill set that I'm very glad was bestowed upon me by the Almighty, the ability to speak extemporaneously in public and to move it to behind the blue snowball microphone, which I'm not even using today. I'll tell you why in just a second. It has been an amazing, I hate to use a, a sensitive word like a journey, but it has been amazing to watch how this has evolved. And uh, just so many, so many people have thanked, I couldn't thank everybody, but I do want to thank you. If you've ever been a guest, if you've ever been a co-host, and especially if you've ever downloaded or listened to the podcast, as over 146,000 people have, I, I just want to thank you so very very kindly. We're going to talk a little bit about how we got here and where we're going, and we will do it all right after. I'm doing the show live today, so now I've got to go find, there it is, there it is, the bump. We'll be right back after this. Hard-headed man who was brutally handsome. Sound like anybody you know? Ah, the entire studio audience just shook their head no. Thank you so very much, our studio audience, which has been with us for 10 years, all of whom flunked out of the Subway Management Manager Training Program. So what do you expect from those guys? All right, back in the late 2000s, I was making my living as a professional speaker, um, I would go out to these banking conferences and spend an hour getting paid to tell people basically stuff they could have looked at. Okay, a little bit of a joke, but the truth was, listen, I'm just going to say it. I was very good at it. I've, I've never had an issue speaking professionally. It was my God-given gift, and it's just something that you know came to me very, very naturally. Well, after seven or eight years, um, I decided to take things up a notch. I'd always used music in my uh, keynote sessions. In fact, that's how I got started. My first keynote session was at the Four Seasons Hotel down in, up in Austin uh, to a whopping seven people in a breakout session. And I introduced, it was called Generations, and I introduced every generation with a song. So in those days, we still talked about the World War II generation, which was a viable banking generation in 2003. And uh, I, I had the, the famous picture of the sailor kissing the nurse and the song chips and they're long. And then every generation, I introduced the song from that generation, making the point that every generation has a song. If you know how to sing it, you can do business with this generation. Well, as it turned out, a young lady named Chris Lamb was in charge of that event the following year. This is the CUNA um, something council that met in New Orleans in 2004, and she said, you have to be the keynote speaker next year. You could be doing this full-time. I was like, well, I have a full-time job at EDS, and sure enough, within a year and a half, I was doing the professional speaking full-time. Fast forward to 2008 timeframe, um, I was asked to replace another speaker at an all-employee event in Racine, Wisconsin at Educators Credit Union All-Employee Day on President's Day 2008, and I'd met through a friend named Bill McKenna, 
uh, his son was a musician. And I had this crazy idea of adding musicians, live musicians, to my keynote sessions. And so the, at the time, the idea was when I introduced Generation Y, I'm going to turn it over to these two Gen Y musicians, Scott McKenna and Nick Van White, and they were going to put on this acoustic performance, even though Nick played the electric violin. And, uh, and we, we burned the house down. Uh, the, the Roma Hall there in Racine, Wisconsin, probably is still not recovered. We absolutely flat out blew the doors off, 400 credit union employees on their feet. I knew after the 30-second beat of their first song that something was happening, and we ended up just going all over the place, doing this keynote session all over the place. I talk, you speak. And, of course, it morphed into the power of performance. If your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? And, of course, um, reminds me, I'm doing the show live today, so I'm reminded that when I say that, that you are listening to This is Your First Power Performance Podcast today. We're going to talk about sponsors in just a second. Um, but when I don't do, I'll tell you why we get to the pre-order podcast in just a second. Anyway. When I started working with Scott and Nick, they were both 23 years old. They were Gen Yers to the hill. They, they turned me on. I could go through the entire alphabet, starting with A, Apple, and the list of things that I do now because I learned from this younger generation uh, was very, very interesting. And, and if I get to D, it would be Blog Talk Radio. Scott McKenna, the guitarist, calls me up. It was a, a Wednesday, and said, Jason, have you heard of Blog Talk Radio? I said, no, what's that? He said, well, it says you can have an online radio show in less than 30 minutes. And I looked at the clock, and it was around 11.30 local time here in New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. And I said, okay, we'll do a show at 12. And that's what we did. And we just called into a little number, and Scott forgot to unmute his mic. And I wasn't sure what to say, but I started that intro, that afternoon on the East Coast, the morning on the West Coast, uh, just because I wasn't sure I'd never done a radio show before. Uh, as the show went on, it was a metaphor for banking that, you know, we were putting on a live performance every, every Friday or every Wednesday at the time. Then we moved to the Friday show, the credit union water cooler, you know, cavalcade of podcasts, and none of whom are still podcasting, by the way. And then about midway through the show, we had Dr. Troy Hall on. He wasn't a doctor yet. Uh, Dr. Troy Hall, and there's a little play on the office. He was the assistant to the host, and then he became the co-host, and then he became Dr. Troy, and he really did bridge the two, the two phases of the show from a live show, like we're doing right now, as you can tell, and the pre-recorded podcast that I've become very, very much uh, enamored with now because you can fix all of your mistakes. But for the better part of this show, seven or eight years, we did a live a live show and all the ups and downs and, and frustrations and tech things that go on with a live show. And then, of course, right around that time, and we talked about this earlier, Jim Blaine, who was the president of State Employees Credit Union, a bit of a, bit of a maverick in the credit union space, a bit of an enigma, made the decision to leave CUNA and, and the Carolina Credit Union League. It was a big deal. By this time, we were doing the show on Friday, and I think I got this news back when the CU Times, I have, has anybody seen the CU Times? If you wouldn't just maybe look around your office or go out back behind your, your credit union or banking brand, I, I don't know what ever happened to them, but I think I saw the article online there, and I, I jumped online, 
I, you know, secu.org or whatever, I called the main number, a person answered. I said, Matt, please speak to Jim, speak to Jim Blaine. I'm thinking, yeah, the president of, I think it was, at the time, was the biggest credit union in America or the second largest the Navy. And I can tell you, I've been on hold longer waiting to place an order at Domino's Pizza. It was just a minute, please. Click, click. This is Jim Blaine. And I explained who I was, and, and we recorded that show that very, very Friday. In retrospect, Doing that show was a mixed blessing. I cannot, there is not enough time to tell you how hard Tuna tried to keep that show from happening once we started advertising it. They tried to shut down the studio board by having all their people call in. Um, they, I, was, I was called all week leading up to that. You'll never work for Tuna. Again, I hadn't worked for Tuna in seven or eight years. I mean, I, I was not doing any business with Tuna. And you know, you'll never work again. Uh, you're, you're finished as a credit union person and I, whatever. I knows what to make of these things. But it, as it turned out, you know, Mr. Blaine comes on and talks about how he had offered the Carolinas Credit Union League and an, an opportunity to keep the business and they demonstrate an appalling lack of imagination. And I suspect that's why they didn't want me doing that show. And we had him on for another show talking about risk-based capital. Uh, and things really took off. And uh, like I said, four or five years down the road, I thought it was time maybe to wrap up this show, at the very least to shorten it. Dr. Troy was working on his own personal brand. And so I decided to start doing the show by myself as more of a pre-recorded. That way it is where we are today. In the past, uh, we've had sponsors, um, GoMarquee.com, Marquee, that great organization, XDI, who used to have that awesome chili challenge. They were a great sponsor for a while. And then, of course, um, the guys from Structure First, Neil, Eric, and Britt were at a conference in Austin, came across me face down in a bowl of nacho chips at the bar there at the hotel and said, hey, can you, we'd love to sponsor your show. And that's what we're doing now. And so as we go forward, I'm going to continue to talk about things that happen in the banking market play. I know uh, it's not always easy being the person who says what other people are thinking, but like I said, that experience with the Jim Blaine show showed me that there is really not a lot of toleration for opposing points of view in certain parts of the financial world, and I think that's unfortunate because I'm a free man. I'm a free American citizen, and this is a free country, and the intolerance that I've seen, I sent a very, very nice tweet to a gentleman that's in charge of spreading the news about Open Your Eyes campaign. I said, hey, what is the ROI? When can we expect to see a tangible benefit and increase in market share? And how do, what, how do we know if it's working? Four minutes later, I'm blocked by that guy. There was no vitriol. I was not being acerbic, answering a question that banks and credit unions ask of all of their vendors when they're asked to make some kind of outlet. The guys at Structure First are asked this all the time. Sure, we'll, we'll, we'll build a new branch or new headquarters. What's the ROI going to be? And that's sometimes not an easy question to answer, and yet everybody asks it, but apparently you can't ask it of Tuna. Not to mention that I've had hundreds of CEOs on this show with every letter you need after your name and off the air will say things like, well, I would say something about this, but I don't want to hurt my career by speaking ill or critically of Tuna. That's crazy. I, I will not ever give in to that yoke on my freedom of speech. I enjoy talking about banking things. I, I said as I did last year, look, if you want to go to GAC every year, 
to see colleagues, to talk about common problems and common, you know, uh, opportunities. I think that's great. There's no replicating that in-person meeting and the benefit of meeting and the speakers. I mean, some of the speakers they had over the past couple of years, just absolutely dynamite, absolutely wonderful. It's, it's worth the trip just to do that. But this, this open your eyes thing is not immune from scrutiny. And mark my words, in three or four years, nobody's going to be talking about it. And there will be no restitution to the member owners who gave up that money to support it. Now, if Tuna has private companies supporting it, to God be the glory. That is none of my business. But at some point, at some point, you can't keep saying that this is going to change everything. This was the third GAC that we've heard about. Open your eyes. Not the first. Um, Mr. Dyson over at whatever CU blog he's on. And so I've been very, very familiar with this. I pay close attention to this. You have no idea. And, of course, during that time, the Jim Blaine show is when we had our mole who contacted us from CUNA that keeps me apprised of things that are going on there. We did like, um, I forgot the name of that general that got in trouble, General Petraeus. Uh, we would communicate through the sent uh, folder in a shared email account on Yahoo. And it was amazing to see uh, what one guy in his 10 by 10 studio upstairs in his home in New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof, could do to disrupt um, the things that CUNA was trying to do. Listen, my, this show is not about beating up on Fiona. It's about talking about the power of performance. If your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? As we go forward, it's going to continue to be talking to people that are making things happen in the banking marketplace, all seen through the prism of music. Music is the ultimate multi-generational, multicultural language of our humanity, and I believe metaphorically when you apply it to your business, it is insanely, insanely uh, eye-opening. Are you leaving your audience wanting more? Look at all the similarities with music and putting on a banking performance, the attention to detail, the harmony, the teamwork, the leadership, the practice, the training that you do. You find all of that in music, and so that will continue to be a huge part of what we talk about here on the Structure First Power of Performance. Hey, my name is Jason Dias. You've been listening to, gosh, 10 years for 10 years, the power of performance. And until next week, speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. Give the MFR, folks.